Ari. And hi, I'm Ethan. And this is the eighth episode of Corona Kids. A podcast where we talk about some of the questions that kids have about SARS-CoV-2, the novel coronavirus, and the disease that it causes, COVID-19. Okay, Omari, eighth episode. Did you ever think we would make eight episodes of this podcast? Maybe. Yeah. What's on your mind today? Um, can you go in the Statue of Liberty anymore? Why are you interested in the Statue of Liberty? Because I've never been there, and I just want to go there. Mm-hmm. Do you have a guess as to whether people are allowed into the Statue of Liberty right now? I don't know. No guesses? Nope. I have actually never been in the Statue of Liberty. Did you know that? Oh, I thought you've been in it once. Nope. Have you ever seen it outside from it? Many times. Yeah, yeah. When I lived in New York City many years ago, I often drove by it on the way out to Staten Island because I had to go out to Staten Island once a week. Oh. And I would always see it. And I often thought about going to visit it, but I never did. Okay. I think your mother has gone up inside of the Statue of Liberty, though. Yeah. As far as I know, the Statue of Liberty is not open to the public right now. Why do you think it would be closed? Because COVID-19. Well, what specifically about COVID-19? Oh, because there's like... Like... Like, it's the place where there's, like, the most coronavirus. Well, there are a lot of confirmed cases in New York City, though the number of cases is falling in New York City now and going up in other parts of the world and the country. Uh, But think about this. Do you think that there's a lot of space to stay away from each other inside the Statue of Liberty and that there's a lot of airflow through there? No. So do you think it would be a higher risk environment for people to pass the coronavirus from one person to the other? No. Do you know what it means to be higher risk? No. It means that there's a higher chance. It's more likely that the coronavirus will be transmitted or passed from one person to another in that environment. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that uh, it is a, it's a national park, the Statue of Liberty, and it is not open to the public right now. Okay. Now, second question. Yeah, what's your second question? Do some places decide not to open again while COVID-19 is spreading? Okay. Um, well, what kind of places are you thinking about specifically? Do you have any in maybe, mind? Maybe Dogwood. Do you want to tell people who maybe aren't familiar with the Dogwood what it is? Um, It's a restaurant that has yummy stuff. I usually get... Um, What's that called? The chicken something? Chicken fingers? Yeah, chicken fingers. Yeah. I would guess, and I don't know specifically about the dogwood, but a lot of restaurants are still 
open for takeout, so you can take the, you can pick up the food there and take it home. Yeah. Or they're doing delivery. Mm-hmm. There are some restaurants and businesses and places that have decided to open up more, like in Iowa and places in Iowa that have said, you know what, we just don't feel comfortable opening up to the public right now. So we'll still be open if you want to do curbside pickup. Do you know what that means, curbside pickup? No. It means you place an order over the phone, you pay over the phone, and then when you get there, you don't go into the place. You just pull up and someone comes out and say, for example, you were picking up some donuts. You don't like donuts, do you? No, I love donuts. If we ordered some curbside pickup donuts, we would pull up in front of the donut shop and then they would say, what's your order number or what's your last name? And they'd bring the donuts out to us. Some businesses are deciding that, yes, even if they're allowed to open back up right now, that they're not opening up or not opening up, not opening up all the way. Do you think there are some businesses and places that might never open again? Maybe. Why do you think that might be? I don't know, because they think the COVID-19 is going to exist forever? That's one idea. Do you think that some businesses and some businesses and museums and organizations have maybe lost a lot of money during this time? Yeah. Right. Some businesses have lost a lot of money, and because they've lost a lot of money but still have to, for example, maybe pay to rent the building that their business is in, or they're trying to still pay some employees, for example. Yeah, employees. Uh, the people that work there, that they're having a really hard time imagining being able to open back up after this is even when they're able to they just might not have enough money they might go bankrupt or go out of business so a pig doesn't have enough money <laughs> a pig what? a pig because like um the banks that you have like a piggy bank shows a pig on it <laughs> So are you asking if these business owners have a giant piggy bank with all their savings in it? Yeah. And they've they've smashed it with a hammer and there's like one spinning penny left inside of it? Yeah. I think that's the case, sadly, for, for some businesses, right? It's, it's yeah. kind of funny to talk about it this way, but it, it's really, really tough. A lot of small businesses and huge businesses. Do you know that there are really big clothing stores, for example, that have filed for bankruptcy. Do you know what that means? It's when they basically say they don't have any money left. Oh, no. Money left? Uh-oh. I, well, I still have money because I don't usually pay any money. That's because you're six. Yep. And so we take care of most of that for you. But yeah, that's that's the situation. Some places might close forever after this. Some places are going to wait longer to open up. Some places are saying, nope, we feel like we can do this safely. We really need to open back up to make more money or to serve people or whatever the case might be. And that's that. Yeah. Okay, are we going to move on? 
Let's move on. And we previewed last week that we got a question from a listener who only identified himself as, do you remember? A very old man in Pittsburgh. Do you know any really old man in Pittsburgh? Yep, Bobby. Your grandfather? Mm-hmm. I might define him as a slightly or marginally old man, not really old. Um, so, actually, Dad, um, so, Bobby, um, when we talked on FaceTime, he told us it was him that left us a question. So his identity, his identity has been revealed. Yes. Well, should we listen to the question? Yeah. Here it is. I am a very old man in Pittsburgh. My question for Corona Kids is, if many people don't want to try the, the SARS vaccine, what can be done to help convince them to try it? Okay, that was a pretty good question. Maybe they can say, like, a vaccine is good for you. Please take it, please take it, please take it. All right, so Bubby's question was, what can we do to convince people who might not want to get the vaccine against this novel coronavirus? Yeah. That they should try it. And your suggestion is you should ask really nicely. You should say please a lot. And you should ask like 10 times in a row. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So do you think, are you going to go like knock on everyone's house? Yeah. And and what what are you going to, so walk me through this. Please take a vaccine. Or what about a pig says Please take a vaccine. <laughs> you think that there should be like a commercial that airs on TV? Yeah. Where there's a talking pig. Yeah. And the talking pig says, Please take a vaccine. Please take a vaccine. It goes every house in the world. Hmm. Okay. Well, do you know why you're grandfather asked this question um because he's really interested in vaccines that is probably true however do you remember uh bubby also was very generous and sent us an article or two about how many people who live in the united states are feeling about the potential for a COVID-19 vaccine, right? Mm-hmm. And in that article, it talked about how many people would be willing to get the vaccine if and when it's released. Okay. Do, do you remember if it was a lot of people or not a lot of people? And if you were surprised by anything in that article? Um, a lot of people said not sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. The data that was presented in the article that Bubby sent us suggested that only about six out of 10 people that were 
interviewed to see if they would be willing to try a vaccine so that, yes, they would try it out. Do you think that's enough people for the vaccine to work? No. Well, maybe. We talked a little bit about this before, but uh, we didn't actually include it in the episode last week. Do you remember our conversation about the measles and mumps vaccine? Um, yeah, but we didn't include it in the last episode. We just cut it out. Right, because it was it was a little too long. But do you remember kind of what the point of that story was? Different diseases are spread in different ways, right? We know that. And it is easier for some diseases to get spread from one person to the next. It's harder for some others. Okay? And... The measles and mumps are really, really easy to spread. They spread really easily. So in order for the vaccines that have been very safe and effective for years to work, something like between 92 and 95% of the people in any given place need to have the vaccine to keep everyone safe. Yeah. Do you remember we talked about this, that just last year in 2019... There were a lot of outbreaks of measles and mumps, both, in New York. Yeah. And that's partially because the percentage of the population that had the vaccine to protect themselves from measles and mumps dropped below that, it's called the critical threshold of 92 to 95%. Yeah, below. So that 92 to 95% of the population is what's required for measles or mumps. Do you have a guess how many people need to get the coronavirus vaccine when it's released in order for it to be effective? Uh, Maybe like a million people. A million people. Where? In the whole world? Yeah. Scientists and doctors don't know for sure yet what that critical threshold of people that need to get vaccinated against this novel coronavirus is in order for it to be effective and keep everyone safe. I've read some articles that suggest that as low as 40 to 50% of the population would need to get vaccinated. I've seen some that suggest that up to 80 or 85% of the population would need to get vaccinated to keep everyone safe and basically stop the spread of the virus. Yeah. If only 6 out of 10 people are willing to get the vaccine and we need 8 out of 10 people to get it to keep everyone safe, is there a problem? Yes. We need to convince 2 more out of 10 people to get that vaccine to help keep us safe. Yeah. I think that asking nicely is a good strategy. Do you think that's going to work, though? Maybe. Why do you think some of those people might not want to get the vaccine? Because they're worried if they go to the vaccine place, they might get COVID-19. That's an interesting thought. Some people might be so worried about getting COVID-19 that they don't even want to go out to get the vaccine that could protect them from it. Okay, what else? What are some other ideas about why people might not want to get the vaccine? Very old people just stay home. They don't go out any times so they can't get the vaccine. 
Okay. But you don't think that any of the people who are reluctant to get the vaccine are thinking that maybe it would hurt them or do something bad to their body? Yeah. Yeah, I think that especially when something is new and being developed very quickly, even if it's been tested thoroughly, like the vaccines are being tested very thoroughly that are in development, do you know that they've limited it now to five potential vaccines that are being tested to see if they'll work, Omari? No, I didn't know. That's just in the United States. There are also some vaccines being developed in China as well that might work. Uh, but some people just are, are suspicious of anything that's new and and maybe they aren't sure whether it's been tested well enough. And there's also some concern in people because some of the vaccines that are being developed are using kind of new technology that hasn't been used in human vaccines before. We've talked a lot about all the different types of viruses that there are in the world. Are all viruses bad? No. Do you have a lot of viruses in your body? Yes. Are viruses often very good at getting into cells in your body? Yeah. Right. So some of the vaccines that are being developed right now actually use other viruses to bring a little bit of a protein from SARS-CoV-2, the novel coronavirus, into your cells so it can start to recognize it and make antibodies and prepare your immune system to fight it off. Yeah. And that's just kind of like an unfamiliar and kind of scary thing for some people to think about. What if the immune system fights a virus that's good for you? That absolutely happens sometimes. And and that's one of the things that's a really good question and thought that you had. Sometimes, and especially with COVID-19, it's our own immune system's response to the virus that actually ends up doing a lot of damage to our own body. What, do you know what it is when you get a fever? Um, you start getting sick. Right. But the fever is part of your immune system response to try to raise your body temperature to kill off some of the things making you sick. But in the same process, by raising your body temperature, you can do damage to other parts of your body that are good parts of your body. Yeah. So that is, it's one of the tough things about an immune system is it's not always super precise. It doesn't say like, oh, there's one bad thing, so we're going to target it very effectively, just that one thing. Sometimes it's like, oh, we're just going to raise the temperature in here and just wipe everything out. We'll be right back. After this public service announcement. Masks are beautiful. Masks keep people safe. Wear masks. Okay, are we going to move on to the next question? Well, I don't know. Do you feel like we we talked about Bubby's question enough? Yeah. Some of the articles that Bubby sent us to read as well talked about the importance of social media. Do you know what social media is? No. 
there are like websites and applications that you can go on to connect with friends and community. Things like Instagram, which you know what that is. Yes. Facebook, TikTok. Anyway, these articles seem to suggest that social media was going to play a critical role in convincing people that they should take a coronavirus vaccine when it comes out. Mm-hmm. Do you think that could work? Like mm-hmm. if I go on Instagram and I post a picture of myself getting a vaccine, do you think that would help other people feel like it was safe and a good idea? Yeah. I think it could, but there's a lot of concern as well about stuff that people post on social media. So just as easy as it might be for you or me to say, hey, vaccines are safe and great. Look, we got them and post that to a social media account. For each person doing that, there might be someone posting something that says, I know someone who went to get the vaccine and when they left, their arm turned purple. What? Your arm got turned purple. But I know my my friend's arm turned purple. And so I'm not going to get the vaccine. But it's good for you. Nope. I don't want my arm to turn purple, so I'm not going to get it. Maybe something else happened for it to turn purple. The point I'm trying to make here is that a lot of people can post things that aren't necessarily true or based in science on social media. So I think it's a really tricky and dangerous idea to just think that we can use social media in a way that is only going to to increase the number of people interested in getting the vaccine. Yeah. There's another thought out there which has been used in the past. It's called creating incentives. Do you know what an incentive is? No. It's a little bit like a bribe. Like if I really want you to say, for example, finish your work, I say, if you finish your work, after you're done, we can eat some ice cream or something. Or I mean, play plants versus zombies. Or play plants versus zombies. So I'm trying to incentivize a certain behavior or action. One thing that's been done in the past is that if people don't have health insurance, they're charged money at the end of the year. They're penalized. They have to pay a fee. Yeah. Do you think people should maybe have to pay an extra fee if they can't prove that they got vaccinated for COVID-19? Yeah. You like that idea? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a good question, and I would say if any of the people listening have ideas about what they would do to try to convince more people to get a COVID-19 vaccine when it comes out, that they should call us and talk to us about it. Omari, what number would they call if they wanted to do that? 845-481-3620. You can call and give us your ideas or ask us a question you'd like us to discuss on a future episode. Yeah. All right, Omari. I think you have one more question on your list for today, right? Yes. Why are more black people dying with COVID-19? That's a really tough question to talk about. And before we start talking about it, do you know why so many people are protesting right now and really 
upset about how black people in this country are being treated? Yeah. Why? Because they don't want black people to die. Did something happen recently that made people really upset about the way that black people are are treated in this country? Yeah. Do you know what that is? Mm-mm. You don't? Mm-mm. Well, there was a a man in Minnesota who died when he was hurt by the police. There was a, a black man who didn't have a weapon on him. He wasn't doing anything violent or, or dangerous, and the police killed him. What was his name? George Floyd. Oh, yeah, my mom told me that um, the police kneeled on him. They did, yep. And he told them again and again that he could not breathe. And do you think that the police did anything to change what they were doing? No. They didn't. It's really tragic and sad, and there are no excuses for it. But it's also even worse that it's very common that black people and especially black men in this country are the victims of of violence from the police, especially. Mm-hmm. But that there are also just systems in place in our country that make it much harder for black people to have the same opportunities that other people have, whether it be educational opportunities, access to health care, access to good food, the ability to own property and pass on that wealth from generation to generation. There are lots of things in this country that are, are built and have been deliberately designed to try to make it harder for black people to to gain access to them. Does that sound fair to you? No. It's not. And so there are other communities of color and people of color that are also discriminated against in this country, but we'll specifically talk about the anti-black racism that exists in the United States. So how does this relate to your question? Do you have any ideas how this relates to your question of why there are more black people who are dying with COVID-19? Yeah. What's your thought? That maybe they go out more. Why do you think they go out more? To try to find the mask if they don't have one. That's, that's an idea. There's no one right answer to this question, but a lot of researchers who are trying to answer the question of why are there so many more black people dying from COVID-19 are focused on a few things. Number one, do you remember when I said that oftentimes black people don't have the same access to health care that especially white people have? Yeah. That means that oftentimes they already have what are called pre-existing conditions. And we've talked about this before as well. 
if you live in an area where there's more pollution, air pollution, for example, which is often concentrated in areas where there are more black people living, like there are more factories in, in those neighborhoods, especially in big cities, as part of the environmental racism of, of this country, that you're going to be more likely to get COVID-19. If you're more likely to have diabetes or if you're more likely to have not have the same access to healthy food, you're more likely to die from COVID-19. And so these are health issues that more seriously affect Black people because they don't have the same access to health care overall in this country. You said that maybe Black people overall are going out more. Yeah. That is also partially true, but not for the reason that you suggested. Because a lot of Black people haven't had the same access to the same educational opportunities in this country. And also because of employment discrimination, especially in the United States, against Black people. Do you know what that means? No. It is basically when, if there's a Black person who has applied for a job, and a person of another race, especially a white person who's maybe applied for that same job, even if the black person has more experience to do that job, maybe more education to be able to do that job, or more qualifications to do that job, oftentimes they will not get that job because of that employment discrimination, but also because of other institutional and structural racism in our country as well. They more often than other races work in service industry jobs. So things like working in restaurants, things like working in healthcare, like as nurses or nurses aides, or working uh, as ambulance drivers, working as janitorial staff, working in grocery stores, What's the common thing about all those jobs right now? Are all those people able to stay home who work those jobs? No. You're right. So there's a disproportionately high number of people who are black who are in those essential worker jobs that have they don't have the option to stay home. A lot of the same issues of what's called systemic racism that lead into police violence towards Black people and Black men specifically, and people of color generally, also make it harder for those people to have the privileges of other races that allow them to stay home, practice social distancing, lower their risk of being exposed to COVID-19, and as it relates as well to the conversation we were having about Bubby's question about vaccines, in some of those polls, it was shown that Black people were less likely to get a vaccine when it was developed. Do you have any idea why that would be the case? No. There's another really sad and terrible history about Black people in this country being used without their permission for 
for medical experimentation. Yeah. Did you know about that? No. Do you know what that means? Mm-mm. It'd be like, for example, if you went to the doctor because we wanted to get a COVID-19 vaccination for you. And they said, okay, yep, we're just going to go ahead and give them a vaccination. Don't worry. And they gave you the COVID-19 vaccination, but then they gave you an experimental drug that we didn't know about. They didn't ask us if it was okay. They didn't ask you if it was okay. And it ended up maybe that it did something really bad to you. Does that sound fair? No. You're right. It's terrible and it's illegal and it never should have happened, but it did. It has happened many times in the history of the United States that black communities were selected for experiments with their health that they didn't consent to. That's what it's called, consenting to, to that. So because of that history as well, I think it's harder for some black people to trust medical professionals, and especially when medical professionals are working with the government to try to develop a vaccine, to feel like it's a safe thing for them to use. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. I think I should be really clear. Am I a black man? No. No, I'm not. And it's a really tough conversation to have with kids about race and racism And I don't think I did a great job, but I think it's an important conversation to have anyway. And I hope that we can continue to talk about these issues more. Yeah. Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about today, Omari? Nope. Well, then thank you for listening to the eighth episode of the Corona Kids podcast. If you have questions, or comments that you'd like to share with us to discuss on a future episode, you can give us a call at 845-481-3620. Take care and stay safe. Bye. Peace.